Thank you, Pastor Josh. Appreciate that. Thank you. Good morning, church. It's good to see you guys here. And um, I know it's cold outside and probably would rather be in your pajamas or watching a movie or something this morning. But thanks for coming out. Uh, you know, pray, praise to you guys. And this morning we're going to be talking about prayer. It's the, the first series that we're, we're jumping into about praying like Christ. And this morning, we, we have a really cool text. Um, it's going to be about praying in the midst of suffering. And as we see a lot of suffering going on around us, it's cool. So I, I hope that this message will be encouraging to you guys, that, that it'll prompt you guys to um, come boldly to the throne of grace. So if I were to give this message a title, it would be Jesus' Plea for Divine Assistance. Jesus' plea for divine assistance. So this morning we're going to be reading in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, turn to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. Okay, verse 7 reads, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. So now before we dive into this passage, I, I want you to keep in your mind that the book of Hebrews as a whole is being written to a group of first century Jewish Christians. That's, that's the audience. And these Jewish Christians are suffering severe persecution for their faith. And in that moment of persecution, they are in danger of giving up and returning to their Jewish roots. And many of the new converts were wavering in their faith and on the verge of denying Christ. And th this author of Hebrews, we don't know who he is. It could have been Paul, but we don't know. But we know his intention is he's seeking to challenge them in the face of great suffering, that they should not give up on their faith, faith in Christ. And he is highlighting how superior the new covenant is to the old covenant. It seems that in this particular verse, the author is reminding his readers that, that Jesus understands what they're going through. He knows what it is to face intense suffering, and he understands the temptation and struggles to want to avoid that suffering. The previous chapter in chapter 4, he wraps up with uh, imploring his exhausted readers to, to consider Jesus and how he understands as our great high priest, what suffering is. And, and the author is making a clear point that, that Jesus is understanding on the deepest possible level what they are feeling. Now, there's several things that we could talk about this morning. I want to I ponder just a few questions. So here's a few of the questions. What prayers and supplications are being referred to in the text Hebrews 5.7? Is this the prayer of the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is sweating drops of blood? And if that is the case, and if, if so, what does it mean that he was heard because of his reverence? Was the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, let this cup pass from me, answered. So we're going to determine whether Father, let this cup pass from me is the actual prayer that Hebrews 5.7 is referring to. So we'll look... Right in the beginning of the verse, it says, in the days of his flesh. So we know that that is implying at one point that Jesus didn't have flesh at one point. Christ has no beginning or end. 
He's before all things. He's pre-existent. He's pre-existent. And all things are made through him. Over 2,000 years ago, Christ came to earth. He put on flesh and he came and he dwelt among men. And in the days of his flesh, or when he walked on earth as a man, he offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Now, many theologians would argue or believe that prayers, the prayers and supplications that Christ offered in Hebrews 5, 7, that it is that it would line up with this experience that we're going to look at in the Garden of Gethsemane. Other commentators are arguing that um, it shouldn't just be limited one experience or one day, but either way, we know, we know the intent of the author. So I believe, personally, that it is referring to the Garden of Gethsemane. So if you have your Bibles, again, let's, let's turn to Luke chapter 22, real quick, verses 41 through 45, and let's see if we can't line up this crying out that we see in Hebrews 5-7 with the prayer in Gethsemane. Luke chapter 22, verses 41 to 45. Verse 41 reads, And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And a sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. So in the setting of of Luke, we have Jesus. It's, It's the night before his crucifixion. He left most of his disciples at the entrance of the garden. And inside the garden, he brought with him Peter, James and John, so that they could pray. And he withdrew from Peter, James, and John about uh, a stone's throw, meaning he was within earshot. He was close by, but he kind of went off on his own. And it's, it's really cool. So in Luke, in Luke, if you were paying attention, there's two prayers. So we're not just limited to one prayer in Luke. So prayer number one we're going to look at is Father... If you are willing, remove this cup from me. That's prayer number one. Nevertheless, not my wills, but yours be done. In that prayer, the content of that prayer is Jesus is, he's asking in this prayer, God, is there another way? Is there, is there a way that I can not have to face death on the cross, physical death? He's saying, save me from death or keep me from having to die. But if we look closely at the text, it says right after that, an angel appeared to him from heaven. And strengthened him. So if you see that in your text, circle that. An angel appeared to him from heaven and strengthened him. This angel we see in the text is he's bringing truth from heaven, probably probably in the aspect or to the extent of saying that it is God's will that you go through with this. And I'm going to be here to assure you and support you in your moments of anguish. And we see that Christ's prayer removed this cup from me. It wasn't answered because he went to the cross. He died. He died the death on the cross. But before we go any further, we need to understand what, what was in that cup that Christ, why, why, was so, why was Christ so distressed about drinking the cup? 
He's, he's asking the Father, if possible, can you remove this cup from me? Keep me from drinking the cup of your wrath. Christ, he wasn't afraid of being persecuted. He wasn't afraid of the physical death so much as he was of God's wrath. So he wasn't afraid to get beat up by Roman sol- soldiers or, or mocked or uh, scourged or whipped. And we know, we know probably that there was a fear, a little bit of that, but his fear, what was in his mind as he's praying this is, I'm about to face God's wrath. So God says no, there's no other way. So after, after taking all that in, we need to decide. Is Hebrews 5, 7 talking about this prayer? Is that, is that the prayer that Hebrews 5, 7 is referring to? Let this cup pass from me. I'm going to say no, that's not. So let's look at prayer number two. If you look a little bit further down in the verse, it says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. His sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So what is the substance or essence of this, this second prayer? Is it, is it the same as number one? In connection with Hebrews 5, 7, the, the essence of the second prayer that Jesus is praying, which is, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. In connection with Hebrews 5, 7, the essence of that prayer is, God, please keep my soul from remaining in debt. That is, assure me of the resurrection. He's, he's asking to be saved out of death. He's, he's not even talking about the physical death anymore. So in Hebrews 5, 7, it says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. To save him from death is, is better translated to be saved out of death, out of death. So Christ's second prayer is, God, I need to be assured that I will not remain in death. I need to be assured of the resurrection, and I need to know that it's not going to destroy my faith and my hope as I go through with this great trial. I need to be confident that my frail and weak human body is not going to be crushed by your wrath. He, he was so concerned with the Father's will that that was his main concern is, God, don't let me make shipwreck on the cross. And, and the Father heard his prayers and supplications because of his reverent fear of God. He feared God. This is the fear of God that would align one's prayers or one's desires with God's will. He prayed for the Father's will, and that is why, that is why the Father heard him. It was the Father's will that Jesus would not remain in death, but that he would resurrect to new life. So we have two reasons why we can align Hebrews 5-7 with Luke chapter 22 with, the, with this second prayer. So the second prayer is he prayed more earnestly. He was in agony. There, there's two reasons why we can be assured and know that prayer number two aligns with Hebrews 5-7. And Hebrews 5-7, just to remind you guys, says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. So reason number one is this. After being strengthened in response to the first prayer, Jesus continued to pray. And he, he was praying more earnestly this time with some fervency. 
so much so that his, his sweat became like great drops of blood. So this is reflecting in Hebrews 5.7, it is reflecting the, the great drops of blood is reflecting the loud cries and tears that we see described in Hebrews 5.7. It is depicting Christ praying through his distress about taking the cup of God's wrath. Number two, Hebrews says that Jesus was heard by the Father who was able to save him from death. Being that God declined his first request and sent the angel to provide strength for him, we can then safely assume that, that Christ, as he's beginning to pray more earnestly, he's requesting divine assistance. That as he goes through this great trial, the Father would sustain him and that he would not be overcome by death. So as I, I was, uh, as I was preparing for the sermon, um, I was thinking back to early on in my discipleship journey and how I was taught to pray. And how I was taught to pray was not like this at all. When I prayed, I, I came to God with a plan. I came to God with my own agenda. I would declare things over my life. I would say, God, I declare healing over my life, abundance in finances. I, I would, I would declare that everything would go smooth, that there would be no suffering. And then as my life would continue to go on, I, I would see that these things aren't coming to pass. I, I started to doubt God and, and think that God didn't hear my prayers as I was praying these things and declaring these things. I thought I was this zealous Christian who was passionate about worship, who, who wanted to see miracles worked in my life and the life of my families. I wanted to see healing and all these miracles. But at the end of the day, it, it was all about me and what I could gain from God. I had no theology of suffering or pain. I thought God was my, my personal genie, that if I would come to him and ask for him, he would answer every single prayer, that he would answer every wish. But as we look into the garden, we don't see Christ praying like that. We don't see him praying like that at all. So as we continue to dig into this text, we need to see that, that Christ is praying God's will. He's not, he's not praying his own desires. He's not demanding things from God. So let's, let's look at a couple things. There's four things that we can look at that we can learn from Christ. The first one is this. Christ submitted himself to pray. He submitted himself to pray. Christ intentionally separates himself from the group, from James and John and Peter, to spend alone time with the Father. And, and this is a practice that we are seeing consistently in the life of Jesus. So I thought Mark chapter 1, verses 32 through 35, showed a good picture of this. So I'll just read it to you guys. You guys can follow along. Verse 32 reads this. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick and with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went outside to a desolate place, and there he prayed. This is an amazing picture of Christ and how he prayed. Oh, okay, there we go, okay. He was doing ministry all day, and I'm sure some of the pastors here can, can um, 
probably tell you how ministry is and how it's tiring when, sure, sure, Christ was a, he was a people person and he was in community all the time, but it's tiring. It's tiring. So he's healing people. He's talking to people. He's praying with people day and night. And if you, if you know the book of Mark, it, it's like little snapshots of Jesus. He's here. He's there. He's, he's everywhere. And he's doing ministry. He's running around praying and healing and doing miracles, but we see he was, he was, it was late at night when he was still doing ministry. People were coming to the, to the door. They wouldn't leave him alone. He wanted, uh, they still wanted him to heal, but he still rises very early in the morning while it's still dark. He departed and went to a desolate place and, and prayed. So while, while everybody else is still sleeping, well, it's early in the morning. It's still dark. He's, he's getting up. He goes to an alone place to pray. Because Christ knew that proper rest and, and strength come from spending time in communion with the Father. So we see in, in his prayer life how he was so intentional about setting time apart to be alone with the Father. Now, do you see that in your life? Are you setting time apart? Are you... Are you setting specific times apart to be alone with your Father. We see Christ do that. The next thing we see is Christ, while he is in prayer, while he submits himself to prayer, he submits himself to God's will in prayer. He's not declaring that God is going to provide another way while he's praying in the garden. He's not in his prayer using the power of positive thinking that if you think positively and you just have these positive thoughts, that you're going to get positive results. He's not naming and claiming health, wealth, and prosperity over his life. He's not rebuking illnesses, suffering, or death. And he's not blaming Satan for his problems or his circumstances. Instead, we see Christ submit his desires to God's will. He doesn't come demanding that his request be heard. But he says, not my will, but yours be done. And when Jesus' initial request was rejected, that didn't stop him from praying. praying. He continued to pray more earnestly. The next thing we see is Christ understands. He understands what it means to be human. This text is showing Christ's humanity. And we often think of this God as this impersonal being who just doesn't get us or know what we're going through. We think of God as this stoic, detached, matter-of-fact type of God who can endure pain and hardships without showing any feeling whatsoever. But we see this God in the garden who, who cried, who grieved, hurt, shed tears. And we know because God knows all things, he knew from the very beginning what we were going through, but experienced it in a new way as he put on human flesh and walked on earth as man. He felt the power of sin and was subject just like me and you were to temptation and sin. And before we go any further, we need to remember the context. What was the context? The book's original audience is being written to Christians who are experiencing death, pain, and suffering. But Christ knew pain as well. He knew anguish just as they did, and they were not going through anything that was unfamiliar to Christ. And the author is trying to assure them of this, that Christ understands that sorrows and tears, they were a regular part of Christ's ministry. Therefore, God is a God who can sympathize with his people. 
Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 reads this. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one in who but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What, what, what an encouraging verse. And the next thing we see is Christ was sincere. He was heartfelt. He, and I want to say before I say this, I'm not going to condemn praying a psalm or I'm not going to judge your, how you pray. I, I think it's good to make sure as you're praying that you're, you're, you're praying uh, biblically, that you're making sure that your thoughts are lining up with the Bible. So when I say this, I'm not saying don't pray psalms or, or don't pray uh, scripture. I, I think you should do this. I encourage it. But in the garden, in this context... Jesus is not repeating a prayer of David, and he's not praying somebody else's prayer. Instead, we see that his prayers, it's heartfelt, and it's personal. He plainly states his case before God. He didn't go babbling on about words like the Pharisees do, but he, he cried out to God. He cried out to God with all his heart, and he didn't throw up some routine prayer, and, and he definitely did not pray for others to hear. He was alone with God, and he was pouring out his heart to his Father. As Christians, we need to remember that Jesus knows what it means to be human. He set the example for us so we can look to him as our example. And he's showing us in Hebrews 5 and in in Luke 22 how to submit in prayer. And even when prayer is hard and even when you're distressed, he shows us how, how to pray in distressing times and to specifically pray for the Father's will. Not for his will, but for the Father's will. We don't need some formula to pray God's will. Simply, we need to come bearing our soul to God with no plan, no agenda, and acknowledging that, that he's sovereign. We should align our desires just like Christ did with the Father's. And as believers, we need, we need to come to God in prayer for everything with the humility and reverence or godly fear that Jesus had. All right, listen to this, uh, this quote. I was reading this book by John Bunyan called Prayer. And he says in this book, he says, Prayer is a sincere, sensible, affectionate pouring out of the heart or soul to God through Christ and the strength and assistance of the Holy Spirit for such things as God has promised or according to his word, for the good of the church, with submission and faith to the will of God. So if you're a believer this morning, Christ is showing us, he's showing us how we need to depend on him as believers in this text. And uh, naturally, I know, I know as a believer and as a human, that our flesh seeks comfort and self-preservation. Our flesh wants to be in control. It wants to be on the path of least resistance. So when hard times arise and suffering is coming, it wants to abandon ship. But it it is in suffering that we become most aware of how much we need to depend on Jesus, just in the same way as he leaned on the Father. So as believers in Christ, 
That is what we need to do. We need to do that. We don't need to shrink back in discouragement when things don't go in our favor, but by the power of Christ, come boldly to the throne of grace, asking that his will be done. And real quick, before we end, the last, the last thing that I want you to get from this message is to hype yourself up and think, oh, I can do this. No, you can't. Jesus can. It, it's not about you. It's about Christ. And as we come to him as one who can not only give us the strength we need, but also as one who thoroughly understands us and how hard it is to be, to be human and to be a sinner, we too will find strength and hope, but only, but only because of him. Remember, it, it is not our great ability, but our great dependability that we are able to accomplish much for Christ. And if you're an unbeliever here this morning that has not submitted to Christ in faith, there's no better time to do that than right now. Christ being God surrendered himself as a man on earth, and he experienced all that a human being experiences without sinning. He was perfect. His perfect obedience to God the Father and submission to the point of death on the cross is the only reason why you can come to God in prayer as he did. He was the sacrifice for us and is the only way to God. And he experienced the full, abundant wrath of God so that you wouldn't have to. Have faith that Christ is God and died so that your sins can be forgiven. Turn away from the sin that you're living in or swimming in and submit to God's will and obedience. And if you do that, you are promised or you will be granted everlasting life. So before we close, let me pray for you guys real quick. Uh, thank you again, guys, for, for coming out. And I know it was probably hard getting here this morning, but let us remember that Christ was human, that he's our high priest, and that he can sympathize with us. So as we're thinking about this text throughout the week, remember that Christ is human and to depend on him, to pray God's will, and to submit in prayer. God, thanks for this morning. Thanks for the church and the body of believers, God. God, thank you for your word. Thanks for Hebrews 5, 7 and this, this picture that we see, God, of Christ praying, of Christ submitting, of Christ crying and crying out to you, God. Father, I, I, pray, that, I, I pray that you would grant us understanding of this text. Help us to believe that we can come to you in prayer, God. And God, help us to, to know Christ more. And as we continue to learn to submit as Christ did, God, that we would love him all the more. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.